Anyone who knows Shaler at all knows that he is a connoisseur of all things Disney. If you happen to be one of those, I recommend you chat with him. Uh, Becky and I made the mistake of taking him to Disneyland in California when he was about two. I think he was two years old. And um, I think he got, from that time forward, he's, he's been hooked. He knows about everything there is to know about any Disney park in the world, and he's actually been to, I think, most of them. Um, let me ask you this. How many parents and grandparents do we have in the room? Would you raise your hand, please? Okay. I'm sure by now that you have learned that your children, your grandchildren, have weapons that they use on you. I don't recall the details of the situation. It just came to my mind sometime uh, yesterday. I just remember that when Shader was a, a little boy, maybe six, seven, might have been eight years old, that we had planned a trip to Disney World. But as we approached the time of the trip, uh, there was a hurricane or a big storm that was making its way up the Florida coast and threatening the whole, the whole thing. At the same time, um, there were some very critical, several critical things that had developed rather quickly in the church. And all I remember is that it became necessary for us to cancel or at least postpone our trip. So Becky and I tried to decide who would be the one to tell Shaler. <clears throat> Neither one of us wanted to do it. Finally, I was elected and um, tried to explain to him that if we went on, went on to this trip, we could die in a hurricane um, and whatever else I may have told him to try to excuse it. But he pulled out a weapon that it seems like every child learns. They learn early to use this, and he said these, these three words, but you How many of you have ever heard those words before? But you promised. And what that child is doing when they do that is they are using your own words on you. Amen? So it didn't matter that a hurricane's coming, your life could be in danger. No, 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 that didn't matter. All he could think of was, but you promised. Wouldn't matter the whole place would be shut down, but you promised. Didn't matter the planes were not even going to fly to Orlando, but you promised. Didn't matter the circumstances, the, just alone the circumstances here at the church were rendering it pretty much impossible to go, but you promised. And the strong implication when they use those three words on you is, is that if you don't keep your word, you are essentially a... Yes, I, I love it when you help me preach. It's really great. As long as you say the right word, that works out really well. Yeah. Uh, if you don't keep your word, you're, you're, um, you're a liar. This past summer, when we were reading uh, through Genesis in our Immersed Bible, I saw uh, the same language used. And I want to just remind you of it this morning and share something that is so, it's really, it's, it's simple. This message is so incredibly, incredibly simple. I hope it's, uh, it's a reminder to many of you of the importance of what I'm going to share with you. And then if it's the first time for you, I hope it sinks deep within your heart today. So take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, where we see a prayer of Jacob. And we'll discover that this may have been the place, possibly, where Shaler and your child learned to use that well-known phrase that they use on us. Genesis 32 is the story where Esau and Jacob are about to 
come back and meet each other again. I'm sure you, that you'll recall in just a few chapters earlier that it was Jacob who swindled his brother Esau out of the birthright from his father. And because Esau had then threatened to kill Jacob, uh, what happens is Jacob goes into hiding. He's got to go someplace to be to, for safety and protection. So here in chapter 32, the two brothers are about to come back together and meet for the first time in what Scripture tells us is about, is about 20 years. So remember that Jacob the deceiver, he's, here's what's happened. He, he, he's run away after uh, swindling his brother. He goes to Uncle Laban's house. He marries Uncle Laban's daughter, Rachel. And after 20 years, Jacob is getting ready to face and go back to his unresolved past. I can't help but wonder if Esau was waiting all that time on an apology. Have you ever found yourself waiting for an apology? It's not a great place to be. I, uh, I told the staff this past Monday, that that's a phrase that keeps coming in my mind over and over, waiting on an apology. I, I have a feeling that there's a sermon brewing there somewhere, so I'll let you know so you can stay home on that day, okay? <laughs> Jacob has never made up with his brother. <clears throat> And uh, Jacob seems to be counting on that old maximum, maxim, maxim, which says, time heals all wounds. I want you to know that though some people get, uh, confuse this, that is not true. Time does not heal all wounds. And also, by the way, that is not in the Bible. Time does not heal wounds. Forgiveness heals wounds through the power of Jesus, but not time. So this meeting is about to take place between Jacob and Esau, and in chapter 32, Jacob discovers that Esau is coming to meet his brother, and by the way, he's bringing 400 men with him. It's a bit threatening. So here's what we have. We have Jacob who has swindled his brother out of his birthright. His brother Esau is coming to meet with him with 400 men. Esau is still waiting on an apology from Jacob. And Esau has sworn that he's going to kill Jacob. So in that situation, if you were Jacob, what would you do? You'd pray. And that's exactly what he, what he does. It's a pretty good choice for a swindling, non-apologizing man who's on the hit list. I think that's a good idea. And with all those circumstances, it's Jacob's prayer in Genesis 32, that caught my attention when we were reading through the Immersed Bible. By the way, get your Immersed Bible on the, the 1st of December. What's that, a couple of weeks away? That's we're going to have them on sale through that month. And let's, let's get started again this, this uh, new year, uh, reading the Word together again. But let's look at this Genesis 32, and we'll see what a child like Jacob is doing, calling out to his father, using much the same language that uh, you and I have had used, used on us. Genesis 32, starting with verse 9. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. 
When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Verse 11, O Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and children. But you promised. I will surely treat you kindly. And I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore. Too many to count. Now let me just, just in case you missed it, look again at verse 9. You told me, with the words he used, to the Lord, go back to my own land and to my relatives. And you promised me you would treat me kindly. Verse 12. But you promised me you would treat me kindly and multiply my descendants. So like an, like an eight-year-old, Jacob appeals to the father based upon what he was sure the Lord had said to him and the Lord had told him. What Jacob was doing was he was quoting to God what God had said to him in Genesis 28. Jacob takes God back to that conversation and he's quoting God to God. In other words, his prayer is quoting God. And I think many of us have learned over our years of walking with the Lord, that that is the best and the most powerful prayer we can ever pray when you quote the Lord. Is there an amen in the house today? Because here's the truth. When you are quoting God's Word, you are standing on solid ground. When you say, you said, Lord, Lord, you said, you promised, it's literally quoting God. It's the power of a child speaking to their father you as earthly parents or grandparents know what happens when your child or grandchild uses those words on you. But you said, but you promised. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been saved. What you still have, dear friend, is with God is a father-child relationship. Is there anybody in the room that's happy today that God is still your father? I need him. Oh, I need him. We sang for years and years. Every hour, I need him. Well, I'm extremely thankful that I will never outgrow needing him as my father and that God does more than his part in maintaining that relationship and that he never just decides to get technical with me. I was talking to some folks this week, uh, actually some pastors. Uh, Josh was in the meeting, Marty was in the meeting, uh, and uh, we were talking about how different it is today from the good old days. Of course, I was by far the oldest one in the room, and I just sat there and giggled, listened, and talked about the good old days. They went all the way back to when they got their first color TV. I remember black and white, you know. So, so but there, it reminded me of um, that some, somebody sent something to me I want to read to you uh, about how we've all become so accustomed now in our culture to automated attendance. Is it ever annoying to you to call something and you get in a queue forever and they give you this, this automated attendant tries to act like they're being personal with you, you know? And so, but businesses, I understand they have to do that. It's become a routine for us and a rather necessary part of our, our, our daily lives. And somebody sent this to me wondering, what would it be like if God decided to leave the father-child relationship that we enjoy and put, uh, and put an automated attendant at the end of your prayer? Can you imagine praying and then hearing the following? Good morning. Thank you for calling heaven. For English, press 1. For Spanish, press 2. For all other languages, press 0. 
Please listen carefully to the following options as our menu has changed. <laughs> press one for request. Press two for Thanksgiving. Press three for complaints. I'm sure that's a busy line. Press four for all other inquiries. I'm sorry, but all of our angels and saints are busy attending to other sinners right now. <laughs> However, your prayer is very important to us. Does this sound familiar? And we will answer it in the order it was received. Please stay on the line. If you'd like to speak to the Father, press 1. To Jesus the Son, press 2. To the Holy Spirit, press 3. And if you'd like to hear King David sing a psalm while you're waiting, press 4. <laughs> to find out if a loved one has been assigned to heaven, press 5. Then enter his or her social security number, followed by the pound sign. If you receive a negative response, please hang up and try area code 666. For reservations in heaven, please enter J-O-H-N followed by the number 316. For answers to nagging questions about dinosaurs, the actual age of the earth, life on other planets, and where is Noah's Ark, please wait until you get here. <laughs> Our computers show that you have already prayed today, so please hang up and try again tomorrow. The office is now closed for the weekend to observe a religious holiday. Please pray again on Monday after 9.30, and if you're calling after hours and need emergency assistance, please contact Pastor Josh or any pastor that is willing to talk to you. Thank you, and have a heavenly day. I don't know about you, but I go, thank God we still can call him Father and call him any hour of the day or night, even in your midnight hour. Come on, give the Lord a clap of praise in the house today. But you promised is our authority in prayer. Because here's what we can absolutely count on. I take you to Titus chapter 1. This is a letter from Paul. He says, I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. And here it is. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, read it, who? Again, who? Promised them before the world began. This is the power of prayer, Bethesda. What God says he will do. Oh, it's just so simple today, but my heart burns with you, for you today, wanting you to walk out with some encouragement today. So many walk in this room with their heads are downcast. And you can say with the psalmist, why so downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Why do you have hope? Because what God says he will do. He cannot lie. So Jacob quotes God like a child would quote its father. And God answers his word. One of the reasons our pastoral team has been so fervent about getting us all to read our immersed Bible is this. Reading your Bible helps you pray. To remove the Bible from prayer 
means that you are removing yourself from the most effective language in prayer and knowing what God has promised you. Bethesda, never forget that God always, always, say that word, God always responds to His Word. 1 John 5, 14, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, how? He hears us. How do you know if you're praying according to His will? And there's a primary question we pastors get asked all the time. How do I know if I'm in God's will? How do I know if I'm praying in God's will? It's very simple. His will is found in His Word. If you want to know what God thinks, how He feels, what He prefers, then go to His Word, and that's where you will find it. And if you are praying according to His will, you can be confident that God hears you. Oh, my goodness. A song just went through my head. Stop it, stop it, stop it. My dad was a pastor, and he had his favorite two or three choruses that we were going to sing every service, and one was called, Hallelujah, He's an Answering God. Remember that, Becky? Hallelujah, He's an Answering God. I prayed in Jesus' name, and then the answer came. Hallelujah, He's an Answering God. And He wants to answer you today when you pray according to His will and His Word. That's why we have to know God's Word. It's why we cannot be casual about our commitment to the Word of the Lord. We cannot. And, and ca- casual about knowing what God is saying so that we are quoting Scripture correctly and not quoting things out of context, causing us to pray prayers like, God, you said if I'll take one step, you'll take two. That's not in the Bible. God, you said cleanliness is next to godliness. That's John Wesley, who was a great preacher, but God is not committed to keeping the word of John Wesley. God keeps his own word, which is why it's so important for us to pray according to the word of God. So let's ask the question, what is powerful prayer? What is effectual prayer? What is fervent prayer? Well, I can tell you what it's not. It's not yelling. It's not being quiet either. It's not crying. It's not being sophisticated. It's not using King James or Elizabethan words. It's not being cool and conversational. It's not using slang words. It's not running. It's not laying down. It's not kneeling, standing, or sitting. All of those things may be a part of it. But you want to know what powerful prayer is? It's not defined by all those things. Those are our human expressions and how we may express ourselves in prayer. But what is powerful prayer? Powerful prayer is answered prayer. Say that with me. There's a story of a woman who was known for her faith and for coming boldly before the throne of grace to make her petitions known. She was also one of those that expressed herself loudly. She was known to be quite demonstrative. Every morning she would come out to her front porch at the top of her voice, stand by Cliff, at the top of her voice, she would yell. She didn't care who heard her. She didn't care who watched her. She did that every morning. By the way, 
Uh, one of the things I think Gerard and Javon, who are out today, have tried to teach us, when, he, when they step up here, the first thing they say is, praise the Lord, everybody. And you realize that is a call for you to respond. So when someone says, praise the Lord, everybody, what should you say? Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. That's what that's all about. It's a call and response. Well, there's this lady every morning went out on her front porch and she yelled out, praise the Lord. Didn't matter who saw her. She had a problem, though. The problem was that next door to her lived an atheist who was a little more than perturbed at her faithful proclamation every single morning. And he would shout back at her, there ain't no God. To which she would say, praise the Lord. And then the day came uh, when she added something to that statement because she made a request of the Lord. After her usual praise the Lord, she continued, God, I need food to eat. I'm having a hard time in this economy. Lord, please send me some groceries. Very next morning, the lady went out on her front porch and she found a bag of groceries. And even louder, she shouted, Well, at that moment, the atheist jumped out from behind the bushes, and he said, Aha! I told you there was no God. I bought those groceries. God didn't have anything to do with it. When that happened, the lady jumped up and down and clapped and shouted, put her hands in the air. She said, praise the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. God not only sent me the groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. Hallelujah. Does prayer change things? Absolutely it does. Powerful prayer is answered prayer. That's why we give place on Sunday nights for testimonies to hear what God has done in somebody's life. Some desperate situations, and all of a sudden we find out, but look what the Lord has done, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Powerful prayer is answered prayer. Let me read to you a little something from a little obscure minor prophet book in the Old Testament called Amos. Amos chapter 7 says this, The sovereign Lord showed me a vision. This is Amos prophesying. I saw him preparing to send a vast swarm of locusts over the land. This was after the king's share had been harvested from the fields and as the main crop was coming up. He was speaking uh, of a judgment to come. In my vision, the locusts ate every green plant in sight. And then I said, O sovereign Lord, please forgive us or we will not survive, for Israel is so small. I want you to look at this, verse 3. So the Lord relented from this plan. The Lord relented, and he says, I will not do it. You want to know if prayer changes things? I said, do you want to know if prayer changes things? Look at this. Judgment is coming. Amos cries out, God, forgive. Israel is so small. And then God says, all right, all right. Now notice the posturing of how they approached God, O sovereign Lord, and then made their request. When a man or a woman prays, 
It literally has the power to change the heart of God and reverse the direction of things in life. Why do I bring this to your attention this morning? Just to prove to anyone who might be under the sound of my voice who thinks it's going to happen, you know, que sera, sera, it's going to be what it's going to be, God's already made, no, 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 no. When you in a father-child relationship are willing to go before your, your father, humbly positioning yourself before him, and say, make your petition known, he has given us the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace and make our petition known. Why wouldn't you do it? Knowing that you have the power to approach him and done in the right way, pray to the will of God, pray according to his will and his way and his purpose, you can literally reverse the direction of that thing that's happening in your life. Somebody say hallelujah to that today. Three things or so. Number one, your prayer life will only be as strong as your word life. Your prayer life will only be as strong as your word life. I'm glad you pray over your meal. Becky and I pray over every meal. I'm glad you do that. But that's the extent of it. Your prayer life will only be as strong as your word life. It's like this balanced thing that happens. Prayer and the word grow together. If you pray but don't know the Word, you will continue to be challenged in your Christian life. You need both to work together. If your Word life is deficient, then your prayer life will suffer. If one increases, the other must increase also. Let me give you another example. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. Daniel said this, I learned from reading the Word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. That was when um, uh, Daniel and the children of Israel were captives in Babylon. And Daniel says, I was observing what was written in the book of Jeremiah and realized that this desolation of 70 years, he started to do the math, it's almost done. Historians will say this was about at 66 years. He was very, they're very close to the 70 years or it's done or soon to be. The time frame of our, uh, of our discipline from God being sent into captivity is over. The 70 years is complete or nearing completion, and it's time for us to go back. Then in verse 3, Daniel says, I read the word of the Lord, Jeremiah, and discovered that our time of captivity is up, so I then went to God in prayer. I read the word, and then I went to God in prayer. I read the word, and then I went to God in prayer. The word motivated Daniel to pray. I read the word, and then I went to God. I realized that God had said, and I could look at him and say, but you promise, your word says this. We are about at the time when we can go back home. When the word in us increases, prayer in us increases. They work in tandem. Can I get an amen today? That's what happens when you quote God to God. That's the power of the phrase, but you promised. Number two, God hears his word when we speak it. God hears his word when we speak it. God's own word gets his attention. Why? Very simply, because when you pray his word, you know you are praying that which is true. 
really true. No matter what everybody else in the world is trying to say or to distort the truth, when you pray his word, you are praying that which is truth. You know you are praying that which is pure. You know you are praying his word which is refined like gold seven times over. You know you are praying that which is powerful. Just read Psalm 119 and all the seven things that David says about God's word. God hears his word when we speak it. Number three, God loves to hear you quote him. God loves to hear his word spoken. You get God's attention when he hears his own words coming out of your mouth. Oh, my goodness. I already had you raise your hand if you were a parent or grandparent. If you are a parent and your oldest child is going through the teen years, let me encourage you. You think they haven't heard one thing you've said. You think it went in one ear and right out the other. Can I get a witness? That's the way it feels. They don't look like they're paying attention. They sure don't act like they're paying attention. Nothing about their reaction would make you think that they're listening to you. But you keep living, and you keep doing the right thing, and keep saying the right thing, and investing the right thing. And I want to tell you, the day will come when all of a sudden they get a little older, and a few more of the dots connect. You know, you got to give time for the dots to connect. Don't make the mistake I made of looking too early for the adult your child is going to become. And the dots connect, and suddenly, Becky and I have had this experience with both of our, both Shaler and Sheridan. They will say something, and it's the exact thing that we said. He was listening. She actually heard that. And here's the difference. They lived enough life to where that principle began to apply to their life circumstances. And guess what? It got written on the walls of their heart. And when it's written on the walls of their heart, then all of a sudden when that strategic moment comes in life and they have to rely upon the word that you have planted, that you've sown within them, and it has reality and truth and significance in them, and then it starts coming out of their mouth. There is no feeling more satisfying or gratifying to a parent than to hear your kids start to speak your words back out to you. Can I get a witness to that this morning? I love what David said in his prayer. 2 Samuel 7.25. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Now, I, I feel the need here to draw your attention to every one of these things, these examples I've given you. There is a posturing of each of these people before the Lord. It is a posturing of humility. I know that it would be very easy to listen to the phrase, but you promised... And it could sound arrogant, it could sound demanding, it can sound whatever. But look at the posture. Look what Samuel. And now, O oh Lord, I am your servant. The posturing of humility. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. 
confirm it as a promise that will last forever. So what am I saying to you this morning, Bethesda? We do have the ability to go before the Lord, take His Word with us, and say, Lord, but you said, but God, you promised, you said this, you promised this. But we do it with humility, understanding that we are approaching, approaching a sovereign God. When you quote God to God, you are saying, do as you have promised. Because according to Titus 1-2, which we read a moment ago, we know this, our God cannot lie. When you quote God to God, you are saying, do as you have promised, which is another way of saying, but God, but, but you promised. Just like Jacob did when he went before the Lord, understanding that you are my father, I'm a child, and with all respect, O oh sovereign Lord, I have to say, but you promised. You promised that you were wounded for my transgressions. You promised that you were bruised for my iniquities. You promised, God, that the chastisement of my peace was upon you. And, O oh God, you promised that by your stripes I am healed. You promised, God. Lord, you promised that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. You promised, God. And I'm taking you at your word. That's what you promised, almighty God. And you said that the day I, you came into my heart and I declared you as Lord of my life, from that day forward, there is something inside of me, and he who is inside of me is greater than the ideology of my professor. He who is inside of me is greater than the doubts of my family. He who is inside of me is greater than all the depression that goes through my friends and workmates. You promise that he who is inside of me is greater than the stream of alcoholism and divorce and adultery that has plagued my family for generations. He's greater than all of that. You promised. God, you promised that you're greater, that he's inside of me is great. You're stronger than lust. You're stronger than revenge. You're stronger than unforgiveness. You promise that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And I know Satan is trying to form weapons against me. I know temptation is strong. Comes at me every day. Things I just get overwhelmed by. I feel like I have no victory over. I feel like I have no way of rising above. But God, you promise that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You promise that, mighty God. We're just quoting you back to you because we know you love to hear your word and you love when your children say back to you your word because it's now written on the walls of our heart. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Bethesda. As we move into this holiday season for 2019, which man, it has crept up on me fast. I admonish you with something this morning. I give you a word today. And that is this. I'm asking that we make a commitment to quote God more and more and more. Rather than, let's not quote the president nor the Congress. Let's not quote what they're saying on Fox News or CNN. Let's not quote the Wall Street Journal or even the Fort Worth Star-Telegram.
Let's make a determination, church, that from this moment forward, we're going to quote the word that will never pass away. And it's the word of the Lord. Because we know this, our God cannot lie. And his word stands the test of time. Somebody lift a hallelujah before the Lord today. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. I have an unusual way that I want to close this service. I don't know that I've done it like this before. I've searched the scriptures for particular promises from God's word that I'm going to call out. There's about a dozen or so of them, maybe 14. And here's what I want you to do. Hopefully I have done a little bit to inspire you the importance of balancing your prayer life with the word of God. Hopefully I've inspired you that you have the ability to go before God and ask for a change of circumstances, a change in direction of what's happening as you humbly position yourself before him. But as I call out the scriptures and these promises of God, if it resonates with you or if it is one that you say, I want to claim that either for my life or my husband or wife's life or our children or or a loved one, a family member or someone that you know, I want, I'm asking you literally, as you stand, your standing is saying, and I claim that promise. Now, I'm going to do 14 of them, so take your pick. But the other thing I'm going to say is, and when you stand, I want you to stand with hands lifted. We're going to be the people of the lifted hands. I haven't done any yet. <clears throat> you want all of them? You want all of them. I haven't even started, Frank, for crying out loud. We're going to claim promises today. And we're going to walk out of here encouraged in God that his word is true and he does not lie. So when I read this promise out, and they're going to put the scriptural reference on there in case you find one that you want to jot down and take home with you today, I want you to stand and say, I claim that one and do it. I don't care if you do the charismatic hand lift or the Baptist lift. I don't care. Or the Pentecostal. It doesn't matter to me. Whichever one you want. But we're going to stand, and, we're, and I want you to stand with hand lifted when, when that happens. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. If that's for anybody, then that's yours. Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good. He is a refuge in times of trouble. Who needs a refuge today? He cares for those who trust in him. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Joshua 1.9, oh, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23.4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything. Who's this for today? But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Psalm 34, 10, who's this for? The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give, give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, dear friend, and do not be afraid. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's what he said. That's his promise to you. Psalm 102, 17, he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. Who is destitute in here? today. He will not despise their plea. Some of you need to get saved today and claim 1 John 4, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah! For the word of the Lord and his promise is true. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus.